Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Today we will focus on some developments within the Beltway and beyond. Uh, joining me as always for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, thank you for joining us here on a Monday morning. A lot to catch up on as always, so looking forward to our conversation. Welcome back. Thanks, Dan. It's good to be back with you. So perhaps we can begin with a couple of developments here at home. Late last week, I did see reports, Shane, that the White House is taking steps to lower health care costs. This, of course, a, a big issue on a national scale. Any insights into what the Biden administration is targeting and what might next steps look like? Yeah, there are two uh, pieces to this uh, uh Puzzle here, you know, it's a multi-pronged attack, we'll say, on um, health care, getting health care costs down. You know, um, I think the biggest component is uh, the Biden administration crack- cracking down on what they call junk insurance. These are known to other people as uh, skinny plans. You know, they're essentially meant to be short-term duration health insurance packages. You know, uh, maybe you're between jobs, maybe you're a younger person who is, you know, um, in very good shape and, and, you know, goes for the annual physical, but is not going to the doctor, you know, every month for uh, specialty services. So this is, this is a lower cost plan than um, getting uh, insurance through Obamacare. And so, you know, I think the Biden administration um, is trying to keep it a short-term plan by um, only allowing, you know, maybe four months of coverage Right now, you have people who um, keep renewing these plans and end up on these plans for years. You know, I think, you know, what does it mean? You know, the early analysis is that some one and a half million Americans could lose their current coverage and they would have to go into Obamacare. That would be more expensive. But on the, you know, potentially upside for them is that, you know, they have more coverage available to them, you know, um, essentially a, a, a a uh, healthcare insurance plan that, you know, provides uh, more coverage if, if needed. You know, I, I think this has been, you know, uh, tried before. I think the Obama administration tried to crack down on these skinny plans. So I think uh, there'll be pushback on this um, from, you know, Republicans and others concerned that, you know, a million and a half Americans could lose their healthcare that they chose on purpose. So um, to fit their own needs. And, you know, uh, for the government to tell them that, you know, that does, it's not suitable. Some Americans don't like to be told that. So I think you'll see a fight over this in the coming uh, months. You know, but this wasn't the only thing the Biden administration did. Another notable thing was they uh, released uh, important guidance and, and the rules for surprise medical billing. Um, this is an issue that actually goes back. We probably talked about it a year or two ago. This was a bipartisan effort for by Congress to crack down on surprise medical billing. Um, you know, some million uh, Americans, you know, uh, face some kind of surprise medical bill almost every month. So, you know, um, while the Biden administration is trying to claim credit for this, I, I do kind of chuckle a little bit because this is um, it, the genesis of this action is really from a bipartisan effort from Congress. So a lot going on here. Um, you know, I think some of it will will play out. Some of it may not even come to fruition, as we've seen 
these fights previously uh, in Washington. Uh, you know, if there's significant pushback, you know, some of it may um, not actually come in, come into action. Yeah, it is, Shane, interesting to hear about the historical precedent, and we'll see how this attempt takes shape. I know the president last week, he also made headlines by unveiling a job creation initiative that demonstrates, so to speak, Bidenomics in action. So any insight into what this initiative looks like and how might this push, along with the efforts surrounding health care, how might that be framing the president's 2024 pitch to voters? Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it, Dan. You know, this is starting to frame uh, his pitch for 2024. And, you know, and also, you know, um, remind Americans and voters what he's accomplished uh, over the past, uh, you know, uh, two plus years. Um, you know, I think that's what gets lost in the mix often in the daily, you know, hubbub of an activity of, of all our lives is him trying to reemphasize that, you know, he's passed a major infrastructure bill. He has um, given tax credits for parents and renewable energy. And, you know, you have this bipartisan chip bill that you and I talk a lot about. He has capped the price of insulin. So he's trying to reiterate a lot of these points and, and show what he's done, but also say, I'm going to continue on this path. Um, you know, uh, mentioned junk health insurance plans, uh, uh, but he's also trying to uh, crack down on junk fees. Uh, and he mentioned this in his State of the Union address uh, at the beginning of the year. And this seems to be a theme that he's going to be um, narrowing in on, honing in on in the coming uh, months uh, as we lead up to the election. Uh, and, and it will be a piece of the Bidenomics. But I think Bidenomics is kind of this generic phrase to um, say that, look what I, President Joe Biden, have done, has done, you know, in two plus years. We have very low unemployment, you know, um, high paying jobs, et cetera. So to try and, you know, really put the, the emphasis on and highlight what he's accomplished. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about Bidenomics in the coming months, as well as the pitches from other candidates on both sides of the aisle. So looking forward to having more Decision 2024 conversations in the months ahead. Uh, Maybe pivoting a bit if we turn overseas. I saw a lot of headlines surrounding this over the weekend. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had embarked on a long-anticipated trip to China. Now, this following the recent visit by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, which you and I had covered a couple of weeks ago. But in this case involving Treasury Secretary Yellen, what did the agenda consist of and any notable takeaways from her meetings? Yeah, no. And I I, I appreciate the context to put in because, you know, having her visit on the heels of Secretary Blinken is absolutely noteworthy. It is showing that, you know, the U.S. is trying to uh, reestablish, you know, we'll say normal relations with China. And I say normal, you know, with a little chuckle because, you know, we, we recognize that the relationship between the U.S. and China is not uh, great right now, nor should we expect that, you know, one of these meetings is going to lead to a breakthrough and, you know, the, the, the skies will open up and everything will be sunshine and, and great. So I think this is a positive uh, uh, trip she took and she herself described it as successful. And I say positive and successful in light of what I'm describing that, you know, we shouldn't expect a major breakthrough. So this is a continuation of 
trying to, um, you know, uh, push aside some of the differences and come to a better understanding. She had some very uh, good meetings with top Chinese uh, leaders, including, you know, the premier, the vice premier, their finance minister. Um, so, you know, in total, you know, they, they covered a vast ground. You know, they talk about national security, technology, trade, but also, you know, recognizing that she's the Treasury Secretary, you know, her talking about trade is, is great, but it, that is really not her function. So we weren't going to see major developments on issues like um, trade infringement, uh, patent uh, theft, um, tariffs, et cetera, go down the, the trade agenda. And, you know, there's not going to be a, a, a huge development there. I think this is progress and will set up further meetings that are trade related whether it be the trade ambassador or the commerce secretary um, and a whole host of other issues. So I think, again, positive um, kind of level set expectations. There is this um, big concern from China about the U.S. economy trying to, you know, decouple um, from China's economy. And I believe Secretary Yellen never used the word decouple, which is, I think, also a um, on purpose and a positive in China's mind. So I think, you know, there is a recognition that to some extent our economies are intertwined and you can't fully pull back from each other without serious ramifications for either of our economies. So, you know, um, positive dialogue, but, you know, as, as you and I have said before, we'll continue to talk about China for probably years to come. It continues to be a very complex relationship, though it is encouraging to see these high-level meetings continue to take place. So definitely more to come on the U.S.-China conversation. Though, Shane, as always, thank you for dropping by, spending some time with our listeners, our clients, and keeping them up to speed on a range of topics within our borders and around the world. And looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And I hope you enjoy the All-Star Game tomorrow. Absolutely. Hard to believe, but here we are at the midway point of the baseball season. It always goes quick. So thanks again, Shane. Appreciate your time today, and we look forward to picking back up with the Washington Weekly Podcast again next week. In the meantime, for our listeners, our clients, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which is now available up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. Uh, We have been joined, as always, by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 